0: She's a popular Christian author, speaker, and professor at Liberty University, and come fall, she'll become the first-ever research professor at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. But she's also a liberal, a feminist, and gay-affirming, at least... That's what some bloggers and critics would have you believe. Well, welcome to The Roys Report, a podcast dedicated to reporting the truth and restoring the church. I'm Julie Roys, and today I'm going to be speaking with Karen Swallow Pryor, a fascinating Christian personality, but also a controversial one. And I'm really looking forward to talking with her about her views on some things, about smear campaigns. I really think she's been a target of some very vicious ones. And we'll also delve into some of the issues that she's passionate about, issues like misogyny in the church, gay Christians, and pro-life advocacy. But before I do that... I want to just take a minute to mention the sponsors of this podcast, Judson University, a university shaping lives that shape the world and Marcourt of Barrington. And I want to let you know that Judson has just announced its speaker for its next World Leaders Forum, which will be held October 20th at the Renaissance Schaumburg Convention Center. That speaker will be someone who's seen a bit of controversy himself, General Howell Petraeus, He's also a four-star general and a former director of the CIA, and I know it's going to be a fascinating event. So for more information on that, just go to judsonu.edu. Also, if you're in the market for a new or used car, I encourage you to check out my friends at markortbuick.com. As I've mentioned before, Dan Markort is a friend, but he's also a whistleblower. He stood up to power and corruption within the church, and he's someone I can fully recommend without any reservation. If you want a car dealership where you can expect honesty, integrity, and transparency, just go to Markort Buick, spelled M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T dot com. Well, I am so excited to uh, have professor and author Karen Swallow Pryor with me today. And I know she's just gotten out of class and uh, gotten to on her phone so that she can be with us. So, Karen, welcome. Such a pleasure to have you.
1: Thank you, Julie. Boy, that was quite an introduction.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and you have been a lightning rod of sorts, uh, I think, because you, you're willing to go across the aisle and make friends. And I think that makes you a target. And I know that you and I probably disagree on some some issues, but I'm committed as a journalist to representing you fairly on those things. And and what I've seen is that people don't always represent you fairly. And so I wanted to give you a chance to come on. Um, also because I'm I, I love the stuff that you write. I love engaging with you, and I love engaging with people who are very gracious in their engagement. So I, I'm really looking forward to uh, this podcast and uh, I hope you are too. So you're a professor at Liberty University and that's, that's a school that's had some controversy as well. Um, but what I, I want to talk about is you just recently took this professorship at Southeastern and when you did, boy, they, the internet erupted with people saying all sorts of things uh, about you and, and I know just this last weekend, we were doing some Facebook interaction and, uh, and someone got on there, a guy by the name of Jordan Hall does a, a blog called Pulpit and Pen and started calling you things that I'm like, well, wait a second, that's not really who I know Karen to be. And so, uh, again, I would love to talk about, about some of these things, but why don't we just start with, you know, uh, a piece that was done a while ago saying that uh, that you're, for example, a liberal, that you've written for Sojourner's Magazine, and this proves that, that you're a liberal. Are you a liberal? <laughs> Not by
1: any definition of the word, so no, no. Just ask my liberal friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a theological conservative. I'm a political conservative. Of course, those terms um, are always understood in context and are relative. I mean, I'm, I'm probably not as conservative as some people and um, and, and more conservative than others. Um, and so we, of course, have to understand what the terms mean, but here I am. I'm finishing my 21st year teaching at Liberty University, founded by Jerry Falwell, who began the Moral Majority. Um, this has been my home. I have always uh, been in Baptist churches, grew up, for the most part, Baptist and Southern Baptist. Um, there are so many people out there in my world that would just just laugh to think that uh, anyone would consider me liberal. Um, now, do I have some views that, that people more conservative than me um, don't have? Um, sure, I do, um, and I do write for secular liberal, progressive publications, um, and very intentionally so, because I want to take my message um, to those places and do more than preach to the choir.
0: Well, and I think the first time that I talked to you and had you on a radio program, it was my previous program called Up for Debate, and I think we were discussing animal rights. And... You happen to be with the Humane, was it the Humane Society, I believe? Yes. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I'd done some research on the Humane Society. They spent a lot of money on lobbying and lobbying for causes that, you know, as Christians, I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure I, I really agree with that. And so... I, I kind of, when I read that, I thought, well, Karen Swallow Pryor is going to be representing this viewpoint where, you know, people just don't have a distinction between human beings and animals and, you know, not understanding that we're, as human beings, the pinnacle of creation. Well, then I get to talk to you and I realize, no, you're you're a part of the Humane Society for a very targeted sort of strategic reason. Um, So talk about that, because I think that's almost uh, a a great uh, just just an example of of how you do sort of walk this line of trying to befriend somebody that might be a little bit different, yet finding some common ground.
1: Oh, yes. This is actually a great example to use. So um, I believe in. Animal welfare, not an animal rights, um, and I am following a long tradition that began with evangelicals in the early 18th and um, late 18th, 19th centuries, including William Wilberforce, who, at the very same time that he was working to abolish human slavery, also founded the first society for prevention of cruelty to animals. Because it, the evangelicals of that time understood that that being cruel to God's creatures needlessly um, coarsens human hearts and leads to other kinds of sins and vices. So they have this sort of holistic view of stewardship of all of creation and animal welfare was part of that. And uh, so I had written a number of pieces on that talking about Animal welfare as a stewardship issue for Christians and got the attention of the Humane Society, which was just beginning um, a faith advisory council uh, because it is a very secular worldly organization. But they saw the opportunity to have common ground with people of faith, and um, so yeah, that's how I became connected with them. And it's a way of it's, it's per- you put it perfectly. It's not that I'm in total agreement with everything that they do, but they're a big umbrella kind of organization, and they wanted to hear from people of faith. And why would I turn them down? And it's been, it, it's really been a wonderful um, experience. And, and, you know, I don't want to share personal stories, but I know that God has used me to help people in that organization, find him, return to him, and grow in him. And it's just been hmm. a huge blessing. Hmm.
0: I think the fear often is that, you know, who's using whom in organizations like that, right? I mean, there's a concern that sometimes if we come on and we give our credence to what they're doing, then really they're just using us to get to the clientele that, that follows us, right? Um, did you ever feel like that might be happening? I mean that
1: that's definitely a legitimate concern with any kind of organization that we would partner with, and it's something to um, be aware of and be cautious about. But no, I never never felt that way. Um, I mean, really, it I, I think it's the opposite. I mean, they they elevated my voice, I think, by supporting my uh, my work on evangelicals and animals, and so. Um, it just expanded what, for me, is this more holistic view of of what it means to be a Christian and a good steward of God's creation. Um, And so it's been a mutually beneficial relationship, I think.
0: Hmm. Now, I think something that probably made you even more controversial, perhaps, is uh, back in 2018, Um, When Paige Patterson and the whole controversy hit about that, and for those of you listening, if you're not familiar with this, um, the president of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary at the time was Paige Patterson, who who was sort of the leader of this conservative resurgence within the Southern Baptist uh, Convention, and yet... There were some videos that came out and some audio, and it was some of it was shocking, you know, of Paige Patterson um, defending encouraging a wife to stay in a physically abusive marriage because, hey, it brought her husband to church, so it was worth it, or calling this sixteen year old uh, built in this sermon illustration that just I mean, I listened to it just sounded kind of creepy and. And doing things that were just kind really inappropriate. Here's this hero of conservatives in in one mm. sense of you know the word. I mean, Paige Patterson had stood for inerrancy and, and brought those things back. Yet at the same time you're hearing things that just sound horribly misogynistic. And so there were conservative women who came forward and said, We're gonna stand against this. And I spoke out against Paige Patterson at the time. I thought it was just indefensible the stuff that he had he had said, and yet you did that. It was, I thought, I thought it was courageous uh, to do because you're a member of the Southern Baptist convention. You've been part of Southern Baptist. You're here. You are at Liberty University, a Southern Baptist school. And yet you're speaking very boldly on it. Pretty controversial stand yet. It really had an impact. I mean, talk about that from your perspective, being on the inside and deciding to take a stand, what that was like.
1: Well, thank you. That was really was a good um, recap of of those events. And, um, you know, just to to bring a little bit of the perspective, more of the perspective where I'm coming from, I mean, when I was growing up, independent Bible church and Baptist churches, um, the Southern Baptist Convention was too liberal for us. Um, Mm. You know, this is pre-conservative resurgence. Mm. And so I watched myself and my family really... um, come into and be part of the Southern Baptist Convention because of the conservative resurgence, because Mm -hmm. that reflects our views of inerrancy and um, gender roles and family and culture. And so um, I only knew Paige Patterson really from that, that background, like, like so many uh, kind of a hero. And so when these, these video clips and audio clips from the past came out, um, yes, I, I was shocked as well, and um, and I just believe that something like that is, is disqualifying for a leader, and I was approached by um, someone who was a victim, uh, and because of that, was not in a place to speak out, and I have this platform, I have this visibility, and I believe before God, again, to go back to stewardship that I need to steward that well. And so I said, I will speak up for you and for others. And so I felt I could take a leading role because I am not a victim. I have some vulnerabilities, obviously, with my employment and my connections and so forth. But really, I I felt I'm in a place where I can do what others cannot, and I'm going to speak up. So that's what I did.
0: And as fate would have it or God's sovereignty or Satan was against you. I don't know how you put all those things together, but (laughs) an awful thing happened. um, Yet something that, you know, I, I, well, I'm really curious on your perspective of just how God has even used this event. But on May 23rd, 2018, the same day that then president of Southwestern Baptist, (laughs) Paige Patterson, was asked to step down for these misogynistic statements he had made. You stepped in front of a bus mm-hmm. in Nashville, Tennessee, and you you were almost killed. And so, how do you? I, I mean, you you made a statement. I, I you said I believe this whole issue about women in the church and the treatment of women and the treatment of minorities that is such an evil in the church, and that those who are speaking out against it are vulnerable to the works of the enemy, did you feel like that was the enemy coming against you? Well, I,
1: I, I am a good Baptist, and I really don't think <laughs> and talk about spiritual warfare a lot, <laughs>
0: like some of my
1: more charismatic <laughs> brothers and sisters might do. So this is, you know, I really do not... Do not speak or see in these terms often but it it felt very bizarre it felt mm-hmm. very mystical and strange and and I don't mean to say when I talk about spiritual warfare that oh god is on my side and satan is on someone else's side it, it's not that clear cut but we mm-hmm. know that there we are fighting powers and principalities and that satan is sowing confusion and and towards one another and towards god and and and, and just what we should be doing and so it was actually i was um, I had been up all night that night doing interviews, waiting for Southwestern's decision, got up that morning, uh, had done some interviews, so this was very much in my mind. Um, I got lost and distracted, and that's when I stepped in front of the bus because I I couldn't find my way. Mm. Uh, and was turning back to go to my hotel. And, um, you know, I I will not know on the side of heaven what was happening in the spiritual realm. Um, But I also know that what I with re- the release from the hospital eight days later, I was strapped to a gurney going on medical transport to head back to Virginia. And that's when someone sent me the news that the board had, um, had removed Paige Patterson. And those two coincidences are just, just seem like more than coincidence. But, um, but, and what someone told me, I, I didn't come up with this myself. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm too Baptist to think in these terms, but, um, a woman, a uh, friend of mine who was, had been attending the same conference I was there to go to, um, just talked about how all of those broken bones in my body um, were, are kind of a symbol for for the brokenness of women in the church. Um, and, you know, whether that's what God intended it to be or not, it is that. It, we can see it that way. And and I I felt very much like that is how God has been using me in this issue and others. And it's not easy, and it's obviously painful in that circumstance, but I just, that's all I I want. If if God is using me to reveal things and to reveal hearts and expose what needs to be exposed, I'm
0: here for it. Hmm. And God has been doing so much in this area, this whole church 2 movement. Um, We're seeing women who have been victims speaking and, and people believing them, people in power, believing them. And it's been, You know, honestly, I've just been dumbfounded as I've seen, you know, just recently what happened at at Willow Creek and not just what happened with Bill Hybels, but more recently with the other co-founder, Gilbert Biltikian and several people alleging uh, sexual misconduct by him and speaking and almost immediately the church saying, yeah, we believe the victim and we should have done something years ago. And so we're seeing just a real change in the church and yet, at the same time, I just heard recently Paige Patterson starting a new conservative group within the Southern Baptists. I'm like, really, this is who's going to be leading? A, you know, a conserv. I'm really, what what is that conservative group about? Really, do you know much about this?
1: I I don't know more than what's been on Twitter and social media. Um, So, so I don't, I, I just, it is an opportunity. Again, I I think the lines are being drawn more clearly um, and it's hard and painful to see it, but it's also, I think, a blessing because we can see again, hearts are being revealed and, um, and God is, God is dealing with us and we have to, we have to choose sides, I guess. Um, And we need his wisdom and discernment more than ever.
0: Hmm. Well, I mentioned this at the top and we've been talking about a couple of few other things, but I want to come back to it. And, and that is some of the stuff that is being put out by so-called discernment bloggers. And uh, last weekend I was on Facebook and uh, happened to have written a story about Mark MacArthur, who's the son of John MacArthur, a member of the board of his dad's radio ministry, Grace to You well, this Mark MacArthur just got charged by the SEC for fraud. And it's it's a major story. We were talking about it on Facebook. Someone gets on there. I mentioned his name before, Jordan Hall. And uh, somebody had mentioned on Facebook that, oh, MacArthur's Master's University has been, uh, it's put on probation by its accreditor. And, uh, and it Jordan Hall responded, MacArthur made a menopausal feminist accreditation hack angry and got dinged for it. It's hardly a controversy. And I was just my, my breath was taken away. I'm like, mm-hmm. You did not just say that. You did not just say that. This is a pastor and a blogger, and he's calling somebody, well, he's deriding somebody for being biologically female by calling her menopausal. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and so I said something about it. I, I was like, that's not okay. You can't cut people down just because they're biologically female. And then he came back at me and deriding me as a feminist, which you've read my book, Karen. Um, <laughs> I mean... I, A feminist? I mean, there's a lot of feminist Christians who are angry with me for some of the things I write, but I've never been called a feminist before. It was just so shocking. He, He wrote, you've basically become a poor man's feminist, liberal version of Janet Mefford. It's been sad to watch your woke rebirth from afar. And I said to my husband, I said... Neil, watch, he's going to write a hit piece on me. I, I've never had a hit piece before, so mm. this was kind of a new... I've had a lot of people mad at me for what I write. I get that, because I report on things that people would rather not hear. But I've never been called, you know, I, I've never had a hit piece that just... I mean, I read it, and it was calling my journalistic integrity into to question, mm. simply because I called Wade Burleson a... Um, uh, I think I called him a, a Southern Baptist insider. We, we can argue whether he's a Southern Baptist insider. He's been a pastor in a Southern Baptist church for 28 years. Was on a missions board of the Southern Baptist Convention. He's he may be on the outs more now, but he still gets contacts and he still gets me information. <laughs> so he seems to be an outs. But but that and calling me a feminist, and I'm like, really? This is the most disingenuous post I've ever seen. I was just, I mean, my breath was taken away. I was just like, this is ridiculous. Um, it's just not true. It's a mischaracterization. And this is my thing with being a journalist. I, I report on a lot of people I disagree with, but my goal is always if they read my piece, I want them to say, when they read what, how I've represented them, for them to say, yeah, that's really what I believe. And then we can argue whether or not that's the right belief or not. Um, but to misrepresent, that's what really <laughs> bothers me. And so I, I want to look at a piece that was done about you. Um, and... You know what? I don't have the date on this. When was this? This was put out. Um, it was a couple of years ago. It was 2015, right? This was the first time this this hit yeah. piece was done on you. 2015. And in it, it says, okay, it has a lot of things. We mentioned... You know, whether or not you're liberal because you you write for Sojourners magazine. But but let me look at, I, wanna, I just want to even just dig into some of these things. So it was said here that you did a, a glowing book review of Loving My LGBT Neighbor for Christianity Today that says the LGBT movement is much like the Christian community in that it draws from diverse backgrounds and moral beliefs. That's a quote from you. In the article, Swallow uh, Swallow Pryor lauds the author for being or for arguing for nuanced positions of LGBT questions and, quote, a sympathetic portrayal of same-sex attraction. For example, Swallow Pryor writes, the book also addresses some trickier issues with wisdom, humility, and generosity. For example, Stanton's call to accommodate transgender persons in their use of public restrooms is as commonsensical as it is refreshing. Now, you and I might disagree about that. I do want to say Glenn Stanton is with focus on the family. He is not a liberal <laughs> at all. I mean, if I were reading this and I didn't know better, I would say, oh, that Glenn Stanton, that loving my LGBT neighbor, that sounds mm-hmm. like a liberal book. It's not. Glenn Stanton actually has it. I know mm-hmm. Glenn a little bit, and he has a very mm-hmm. orthodox view on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but and the article doesn't mention what Stanton's solution was. The solution that he was
1: the accommodation he was asking for is single stall bathrooms for everyone.
0: So he's not. And what so, it makes it sound like is he's for transgender men going in. You know the opposite gender right, bathroom. Right.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So someone else did a follow up blog to because he couldn't believe that we he and I Stanton and I would support what it sounded like, and it is just because that's what he was calling for. That was his accommodation, which I even, even before the transgender issue, I always thought that, you know, single stall bathrooms would be my preference anyway. So.
0: Mm. Well, and so let's go over some of these other things, because one of the things I'd like to do, I think, as we go through some of these, is to help people become discerning consumers of the Mm -hmm. news, because we do have I hate the, I really actually hate the term fake news because I think it's it's so abused as just, you know, it's a derogatory mm-hmm. term we use whenever somebody publishes something we don't like. We call it fake news. Right. <laughs> um, but there is so much out there on the Internet that may be true, may be false. And so mm-hmm. um, I want to go through this and I want people to see how things are done. And I also want you to, to give you an opportunity to respond to, to some of these things. The Atlantic, he he writes uh, that The Atlantic ran an article entitled Being Gay at Jerry Falwell's University and alleged that Liberty University has backed away from its vocal opposition to gay marriage. As he came out, he lists Karen Swallow Pryor, a professor at Liberty, this is the author of the article, as one who was sympathetic and supportive of his decision. I sensed, at least this was my sense reading it, that that you were wanting to love people who identified as gay at liberty, yet, uh, would you say liberty is becoming is, is dropping its vocal opposition to gay marriage?
1: Um, no, it's, it's not, or not, not gay marriage or homosexual behavior. Um, we still have the same you know, code of conduct rules um, that have always been in place, so I, don't, I really have no idea where that charge comes from at all.
0: So, hmm. And yet you're friends with the author who wrote uh, a piece that was quite critical of Jerry Falwell Jr. You're friends with him, you know him, and he is openly gay. Why Why do you have friends like that? Why do you associate with people like that?
1: Hmm. Well, this particular person was a student of mine um, here at Liberty, and uh, and that's what you know, he—that was the piece that he wrote long ago. That that article refers to is when he was here as a student at Liberty and was gay. And I was one of the first adults that he told. Um, and I—I I referred him to a counselor here on campus who holds to a biblical view of sexuality and who counseled the student. And um, over the years, you know, he. Tried to not be gay, but then decided to be gay, just to, you know, it just, it's a long, complicated history. Um, and he knows that I disagree with him. He knows that I believe that homosexual behavior is a sin. Um, but he also knows that I love him, and um, he's a, a person in my life, who I keep in my life, and um, he has no doubt about either one of those things, what my beliefs about sexuality are, and um, that I love him.
0: Hmm. I have a friend like that, Brandon Robertson. He uh, was a oh. Moody, Moody graduate. And uh, I remember being at National Religious Broadcasters Convention and hearing seeing him. He was on a panel, and I just felt sorry for him. He's like 20-some, and he's up there in what seemed like a pretty hostile environment. And they came at him pretty strong. And I remember afterwards, I just came up to him, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Because I just didn't feel it was hospitable the way he was treated. Um, I disagree Mm -hmm. with Brandon. I really do. My heart breaks for him. Um, because I think he's making a choice that will be for his own destruction. Yet I love Brandon. Mm -hmm. I care about Brandon. And just, I remember when I just said that to him, he gave me this huge hug and we ended up praying together. And, and we've Mm -hmm. since gotten together numerous times for coffee. Um, when we're at similar conferences, we don't live in the same city or anything, but you know, even to this day, if I reach out to him, he'll always respond, and he's always gracious and, and kind, and, and I care about him. And I think it's important mm-hmm. that we care about people. And yet, what I see happening with you, here you attended, it looks like a, an LGBT film festival. You got your picture taken with a lot of mm-hmm. people who identify as gay, and mm-hmm. what was said about you as a result?
1: Yeah, that the irony of that is that... Um, that film festival was sponsored by an organization called Level Ground, which seeks to bring together different people of different faith backgrounds. It's primarily Christian, but some who are affirming of the homosexual um, behavior and others who aren't. And they invited me specifically to come twice to come and Mm -hmm. share the traditional biblical sexual ethic. And they have a difficult time finding people who will so i came and i was there to present that biblical view um and yet that part of the story is not shared it's just the picture as though i'm there approving that of course i love these people and i you know and and there to enjoy the event but i was i I was there to do this specific thing and i did I've, I've, i've been twice um and others won't go but i will
0: and i can understand those who won't go i don't know if i'd go you know i i'm i just sit there and think oh boy i can i be partners with them do i agree with what they're doing and i'm i can certainly understand those and i might put myself in that group who would say i think what they're doing is destructive i don't think it's helpful i'm not going to be a part of it at the same time and i,
1: I can respect that yeah
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and I can, we can have that conversation. Is that really a healthy thing to do? Because I mean, either you're for me or you're against me and what, what are they for Jesus and what they're doing? Does it help to, to be there? I, you know, but here's what I really don't like. And I see this a ton with discernment blogs is they get a picture of people together and then they say, (laughs) this is just to me, it's the biggest (laughs) leap of logic because so-and-so is in a picture with so-and-so, they must uh-huh. endorse everything that this person believes. I mean, where do we get that? That is just the, the worst journalism possible. And yet people are getting away with it. And it's not okay. When you see those pictures, I wish people would say, um, okay, is, does this person really endorse them? Is that why they're there? And here's a really, really radical idea. How about reaching out to that person and asking for their comment on why they were there and hearing their point of view? Has anybody from, you know, some of these blogs that have been so vitriolic against you, have they ever reached out and tried to have a conversation with you?
1: At one point, I believe that particular blog um, did. um, There was a claim that they called my office um, and, uh, but there was no no message, but at that point, I you know I probably would not have spoken to him anyway because it 's very clear to me without getting into all the details that I am being um, lied about intentionally and misrepresented, and that's what 's not excusable. I mean, clearly, we can agree on whether we should go to this event or partner with this organization those are Those are legitimate areas of disagreement, but what cannot ever um, happen is for intentional misrepresentation to take place. And that is what's happening. And who that really hurts is not so much me, although, you know, it, it does sometimes hurt, but it hurts the people who are being misled and who are, who are believing things about the world and about the church and the state of things that are not true. That's very, very grievous. Hmm.
0: While we're on the topic of LGBT issues, I do want to ask you, Uh, about revoice this is a conference where you've also spoken uh where you've endorsed and one where quite frankly we disagree i mean we've disagreed on this i don't know if we disagreed uh openly on on facebook or whether we've uh whether that's been in private message i can't remember but i know we've discussed it and and yet we can disagree agreeably on this um I don't think because you showed up at Revoice that you are necessarily endorsing everything at Revoice. But if you would, I mean, I don't want to state what the, the conference, you were there. I've only seen what's, what's been written about it. I've never attended one. Yeah. What is the purpose of Revoice?
1: Yeah, well, this one minor correction. I, I, I didn't attend the conference. Um, before the conference uh, took you place, didn't speak? it was being
0: organized. I thought you no, spoke there. No. Oh, my my bad. Okay. No, I just I
1: just I just had an an endorsement of the of the conference. Okay. Um, I am uh, friends with the main organizer and a couple of the other organizers. Um, they are um, Southern fellow Southern Baptists um, who believe in the traditional biblical sexual ethic. Um, They have same-sex attraction. Um, In one case, um, he is married to a woman and they have children. He's still open and honest about his same-sex attraction. Another uh, friend who has helped to organize it um, is single um, and celibate. And um, the mission of the organization, and I'm just paraphrasing, but the mission is um, to help those who are same-sex attracted to live out the traditional biblical sexual ethic, whether in biblical marriage or in singleness. Um, now, the the difference, the thing that people have trouble with, and I understand this is an area of disagreement, is that these people have not abandoned the labels. They are open about their struggle. They, in some cases, have. Just simply, God has not removed that struggle from them. He does sometimes, and sometimes it takes longer, or sometimes that struggle will always be there. And so they are open and honest about their attraction and their struggle, um, yet they want to ha- to be and to help others adhere to the biblical sexual ethic. Um, and so I am... It- in support of that mission. Uh, so I offered a, an endorsement of the conference uh, ahead of time to go on their website, and uh, I think they've had two different conferences, and the, and the first one um, did not require the speakers to be um, in support of the biblical sexual ethics, so they had some some different uh, speakers there of different views, and uh, I believe in the second one they, or the one coming up, they have made that requirement um, because they're, they're learning. Um, and again, it's a mission that I support. Um, I think that the, the conference and the organization um, has, has some growing and some learning to do, but the mission has remained the same. And that's one that I still believe in. We need to help our same sex attracted brothers and sisters live biblically faithful lives and there. There is no one-size-fits-all for all of them in that struggle, um, and there's, the Church needs so much more conversation in that area, and they are going to make mistakes. We are all going to make mistakes in it. We've made mistakes in the past. when, when Christ- I've known so many Christians who had this struggle, and in, in previous decades, the approach was to be quiet about it, pretend otherwise, get married, don't tell anyone, and I have seen that backfire so many times that I'm willing to take the risk to support my brothers and sisters who are trying a different way but still want to be faithful.
0: Mm. By the way, I want to mention uh, the Illinois Family Institute is having a worldview event. I promised them I would mention this, uh, but it's coming up March 7th. So Saturday, March 7th, 10 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. at the Village Church of Barrington in Barrington, Illinois. If you're listening and you're in the Chicago area, uh, I encourage you to go to this. Uh, Dr. Michael Brown, who is a leading apologist, has written... Uh, some books about this a- actual uh, issue, and also answering your toughest questions. Always a great interview, radio interview, by the way. And Dr. Robert Gagnon, who's a professor of uh, New Testament theology at Houston Baptist University, he's going to be there. So, if you're interested in that, I really encourage you go to illinoisfamily.org and find out about that event. But speaking of uh, speaking of same-sex attraction, gay identity, the w- the one thing the the problem i had with that conference is what you mentioned is about embracing gay identity and i feel like there's a there's what do i call it almost like a just despair that god can do anything about that and that it's okay to embrace this identity that seems rooted in our our sinfulness and and my you know my my passion in this area is because i go to a church that has dozens of people literally dozens of people that have come out of that and have come out of it for 20 30 years are they is it a place where they can't talk about it No, actually it's a, it's a place where they can talk about it and it's like, yeah, that's fine. You know, we have other people that had that, that struggle too. It's the taboo is gone. And I love that. I I feel like it's one of the most healthy environments, but it's also a place where there's faith for transformation. Now, does that mean that God's going to make you straight? You know, that's, uh, that's where I feel like when we, when we're talking about, um, when we're talking about mischaracterizing people, I feel like the whole entire community that believes in transformation gets gets painted as pray the gay away, right? And that's not uh-huh. them. I've been to Restored Hope Network's conference, and I've spoken at the conference. And this is a group that believes in transformation, but it is anything but pray the gay away. I mean, these are people that live with the reality of how difficult this struggle is and yet have seen people transformed over time. And, and, you know, the degree of that transformation is different in different people. And, but we, mm-hmm. we have to believe in God's ability to change, don't we? I mean, isn't that as Christians, we have to say, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He can change. And I, I mean, I,
1: I don't think that, yeah, I don't think that the people in revoice necessarily don't agree with that. Um, I think they're mischaracterized a great deal too. But now there are some of the presenters at that original conference that, um, Definitely were problematic, and, and would, I would have very different mm. views. But in terms of the mission and um, the uh, organizers of the event, um, I think that they, they have been mischaracterized. And I don't think that they embrace this identity as, as that's language that their critics use, not that they use.
0: Mm. Well, I, what I would love to see, I would love to see Revoice. Invite some of these people from, say, Restored Hope Network that believe in transformation strongly. I wish I would love to see a conference where these two sides come together and really debate it and talk about it. Because I think there are different camps and they're nuanced. And I think they often don't get they don't get characterized mm-hmm. as nuanced. But I would love to see some healthy debate and these these different sides brought together. That's just my two cents on that one. <laughs> but
1: No, I, I, I think that's a great idea, Julia. I think that that should happen. And I think the biggest obstacle to things like that happening is mm-hmm. the kind of attacks and mixed characterizations that make people afraid and vulnerable when they shouldn't be because we're not having honest discussions about these things. Um, and that's why I'm having this conversation with you. I think it's so important because there's plenty of room for Christians to disagree with one another. Mm-hmm. But what's ha- what I'm seeing happening more and more is that we're not, act- we actually don't even know what we disagree about because there's so much misrepresentation and mischaracterization going on, mm-hmm. whether intentional or not. But that's what we've got to get past.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Well, I wanted to get to one of the the accusations against you, which is, and, and this one floors me because I, I do know a little bit of your background. And I want you to talk about your, your background with this issue but you're extremely pro-life, and this is something that's that's that you're passionate about. And yet, uh, because you wrote, I guess at one point you you talked about a certain person's book as refreshing and hopeful, and he's pro-choice. That uh, and you said abortion is radically complex, and there's no conservative position or liberal position. I'm not really sure what you meant by that, but I want to give you a chance to explain it. But then it was kind of said that you're not really pro-life how do you respond to that
1: yeah i don't know what either of those quotes or books are talking about they, they may be distorted or re- misrepresenting i i don't know i think the first one was a book by a pro-life person um actually who's writing about pro-choice people so um, no was, i don't I, so i can't explain it. was it what book was it it was charles
0: or, I, I don't know this guy Com- yeah, Com-
1: Charles he's, yeah he's very pro-life he, he's catholic he's very pro-life okay. um but he was he wrote a book looking for common ground between pro-life and pro-choice as a pro-lifer okay um so yeah so every, but because he was doing that somehow that's that's compromise um no i i i'm i am very pro-life i um i I stood outside abortion clinics as a sidewalk counselor for 10 years, and uh, I was arrested a few times for doing that as well as for sitting in. Um, This was all in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, In my previous city, I've served, uh, I've volunteered in crisis pregnancy centers for years. I've served on the board of directors. I'm faculty advisor for the Pro-Life Student Club here at Liberty University. I write frequently on abortion. I tend to be compassionate um, about it. And uh, I've done post-abortion counseling with uh, women at, at crisis pregnancy centers. And so I, I don't know what to say about that other than it's just a complete misrepresentation. And I don't know why. Um, but, uh, it, again, it, it, the result is that it is confusing people and, um, and sowing Uh, needless confusion and chaos within the church because people who are not doing their due diligence and checking out the facts are just simply believing that that the church and the Southern Baptist Convention is being overrun by people who don't um, share beliefs when we do.
0: Hmm. And you've been I know you're a part or you were a research fellow. Are are you still a research fellow with the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission? Uh, No, I resigned last year. Okay. And, but I'm guessing you resigned amicably. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah.
1: We just (laughs) have some, we had different, we, you know, we came to, we basically have some different strategic approaches um, to issues. And so uh, we've just, yeah, parted ways, but I, I love the work of the ERLC um, and actually that is, to be completely honest, it was becoming a fellow with the ERLC that put me on the on the radar for these discernment blogs, and that was something I walked into not really knowing that um, the ERLC uh, is you know viewed as liberal by some Southern Baptists, and so there, there, that attempt to attack me was really an attempt to attack the ERLC, which is again very grievous.
0: Mm. And that's headed by Russell Moore, who was an outspoken critic of President Donald Trump. Um, I haven't heard him be as critical because, I mean, he got so much backlash. Um, I haven't heard him be so, so critical, although I I think things he said beforehand, um, some of them needed to be said. And, uh, you know, we can disagree about whether that means you still vote for Trump or not. Um, But he's been outspoken on that. But. You know, social justice issues. I think some people would would say ERLC has been been pushing more of a, a liberal agenda with that. Um, do you think that's fair or or not?
1: Well, again, we we kind of go back to the beginning of our conversation where it's, these terms liberal and conservative really only mean you know have meaning when it, who's to the left of me and who's to the right of me. Right? We said mm-hmm. they don't. They're not really tied to. Very objective, absolute definitions, um, and I think we're living in a time where some of the old categories and the mm. old systems are falling away, and that is a good and beautiful thing because we have we have inherited a cultural Christianity, especially in the Southern Baptist Convention, if I can say that. Mm. Um, I mean every denomination has, but there there are certain certain there's certain cultural tradition, history and baggage that comes with our denomination, just like with any other. And we're living in a time in history where some of those are falling away. And and most of us are striving to see the biblical truth uh, apart from our culture. It's mm. a, it's very hard. It's been it's hard for every generation and in every part of the world. We're living through a particular moment. And so, we would say, I think we could say that the categories of liberal and conservative, Republican and Democrat that were true in the second half of the 20th century are not true now. And we all need to, and we're not going to do this in total agreement, but we all need to get past the partisanship, past the political parties, past the liberal conservative labels that are tied to. American political culture and not biblical Christianity, and we need to find that consistent thread of biblical Christianity, no matter which party or which side it falls on, because that's the thread that we need to follow. And our culture does not match up. It never has, it never will, but for far too long, we have been making our allegiance based on these cultural categories.
0: Mm. Amen let me just ask you this. We're we're running out of our time together, uh, which I've thoroughly enjoyed. Um, But as Christians who represent Jesus in this current cultural era, and I think especially with the divisions within the church, how can we as ambassadors for Christ reach out and how can we um, really address those within the church who might, disagree with us? What advice would you have mm. on that? Wow.
1: I mean, so much of this does take place on social media, and that can cause more harm than good, I think. But it, it is a mission field, and it can be used for good. So I, I just urge every Christian who's on social media to act on social media the way you would in person don't say something on social media that you would not say to them in person and if you were in person and you have a question or you don't understand something that's been said you would say oh i don't understand can you explain more we need to do more and more of that we need to not believe every source that we see whether you know i mean we don't believe cnn or the new york times as giving us the entire truth or an unbiased perspective, well, neither should we um, assume that the discernment blogs are doing that. We need to go back to the original sources. We need to not believe a picture or a meme or a quote that might be taken out of context. But we have to be circumspect, and sometimes we just have to be uh, a little bit skeptical, too. And the burst that just kept coming to me as we were um, talking, Julie, about all of these issues um, is one of my favorites. It's from the book of Zechariah, and it's um, in uh, chapter um, 8. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another and love no false oaths for all these things I hate, declares the Lord. That verse covers so much of what we've been talking about this hour.
0: Hmm. You know, and I think in the New Testament, when it says to always have an answer for the hope that you have within you, but do that with gentleness and respect. And if we're supposed to treat mm-hmm. non-Christians with gentleness and respect, how much more within the mm-hmm. church should we be treating each other with that kind of respect that we want to be treated? It's golden rule, right? Right. Um, treating one another with that, assuming the best. At the same time, there's a time to be prophetic. There's a time to speak out. There's a time. And and I will say I love social media because with the investigations (laughs) I've done and um, just seeing the change that comes as a result of people having power to speak. And I think that's what social media has given the public a place to speak, who don't have platforms, who don't aren't you know the gatekeepers and they get to speak and so i love that but we still need to do it with uh with gentleness and respect so karen you're somebody who does that extremely well i i appreciate you um and i appreciate talking and i wish we i would love to do it more um talking about things on that we disagree about but doing it uh, in a way that hopefully brings more light than than heat so thank you and thank you for uh, your ministry and what you're doing and uh, just really blessings to you as you go to Southeastern next year.
1: Well, thank you, Julie. I so appreciate your work. It's an honor to be talking with you on your
0: program. Oh, well, thank you. And thanks so much for listening to The Roy's Report, a podcast dedicated to reporting the truth and restoring the church. I'm Julie Roy's, and if you'd like to find me online, just go to julieroys, spelled R-O-Y-S dot com. Hope you have a great day, and God bless.